We have finished the roof, I think. Almost. Okay. And the architect is coming to see us this week, and they're going to give us some initial things that we can talk about and uh, make some choices on as a church. And so we'll be, uh, we're making progress. We're spending a lot of money, but thank the Lord you have given it, and uh, it will be paid for, most of it, if not all of it, by the time we complete it. And to God be the glory. But I'm trying to give you a progress report. If I could get some support from my staff, it would be, it would be wonderful, wouldn't it? But at any rate, we're, uh, we're making progress right now. Now, our verse this month is 2 Corinthians 5, 20. Would you like to stand together and say it? <laughs> we just did. <laughs> I won't make you do it again, okay? But you know the verse there. Say it with me. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And I told you at the beginning of the year, when I, we picked these verses, I, I would preach on them so that you would have a, an understanding of them, an appreciation, and they would be a blessing to you. I do hope that you're really working to memorize these in the services. It takes about two minutes of our time. I could think of nothing, nothing, nothing that we as a church family could invest in as important as hiding God's Word in our hearts as a church family. And we have now, as Jim said, memorized six verses this month. And by the time the year is over, you'll know 12 passages of Scripture. You may have known some of them, but probably not all of them. And it will be a, a, a blessed experience for us. I'll tell you, I really like what we're doing. Everybody that's visited us this year, guest preachers, have commented and said, that's one of the best things I've ever seen happen in a church. Stand together as a church family, and you memorize God's Word by simply repeating it every service during the month. So this month, we are ambassadors for Christ. And Paul uses here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the metaphor of an ambassador. And really what he's doing here is telling us of another of our responsibilities as Christians. Do you know that you and I are ambassadors for Christ? We are ambassadors for the King of kings, Lord of lords. That's a responsibility. It's an assignment. And it is the highest honor that God could bestow upon us. Now, there have been ambassadors since the beginning of history. There's never been a time since people began to rule and govern other people that we did not have ambassadors. An ancient king would, uh, back two or 3,000 years ago, would appoint people from his realm, citizens, who would be ambassadors, his personal representatives in the life of his nation. And he would send them to the nations around him. Today we have the term diplomatic relation, meaning that our countries have exchanged ambassadors. We send our ambassador to them. They send their ambassador to us. And through them, they are the primary channels of communication between the two nations. And the ancient kings even did that. Uh, they would send ambassadors because obviously the king could not be everywhere himself. 
So he appointed a personal representative, and we call him an ambassador. The duties of an ambassador, and I want you to apply that to us because you are ambassadors, Paul says to us here. We are ambassadors for Christ. The duties of an ambassador are what? Well, he is there to represent, he or she uh, are there to represent the person who sent them. If it were a king, it would be they're there to represent the king. If it's the president, for example, of the United States, our ambassadors are there to represent the president. He can't be in all 200 countries on the globe himself, so he sends someone to represent him. They are there in his stead. They are his agents. They have official power. They can sign treaties. They can sign trade agreements. They, have, they are vested with huge degrees of power as an ambassador. And if you will just extrapolate that over now to the spiritual realm, we are the ambassadors, Paul says, of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are not here for our own interest any more than our ambassador to England is there for his own interest. We are there to represent the interest of the king, our king, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not there for selfish pursuit, for pursuit of gain or prestige for ourselves. We're there representing another, an ambassador. And no matter who you are, that's not to some elite group. That's not just to pastors or missionaries or staff personnel or Christian school teachers. That's for every Christian. You don't have to have a special calling of God to be his ambassador. You are called by virtue of the fact that you are a Christian. Every Christian is an ambassador, a good one or a bad one, but we are all representing the king. And on your block where you live in the community, you are the ambassador of Jesus Christ. If you go to school, the school where you attend, you are an ambassador of Christ. If you work in an office or a factory or a business somewhere here in town, you are an ambassador. You are the representative of Jesus Christ. Everything about you. Every word you say, every deed that you do, every, everything that you can be observed in, in, your, in your life by other people, you are the ambassador, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. An awesome, awesome, awesome responsibility and a wonderful, wonderful privilege as well that I get to be the ambassador. There's no higher honor that a person can have, at least in an unelected position in our society. And so, when the president begins to select ambassadors, he selects, there are about 200 countries right now in the world, a little bit more or less. But the president chooses an ambassador for every country with which we have diplomatic relationships. And that person is carefully trained. There's a school up in Washington, in fact, where the State Department runs it, and they train these people. They train them in the customs of the country to which they will go to never be offensive. They have to know the culture, what is offensive and what is not offensive. Some places you eat with your fork in your right hand and some places you eat with the fork in your left hand. 
Some places you dress a certain way, and other places you dress another way. Because we do not ever want to offend the people who are our host. It is so important that we are not ignorant. So we don't, we don't pick an ambassador from the lower rungs of the social order. We get the very best that we have. And then we train them to fit in the society in a proper way, that there, are, there is a correct way to do things and an incorrect way to do things because they're representing all 300 million people in the United States and particularly the President of the United States. As the Lord's ambassador, you and I have the same level of responsibility. Let me show you a few things about ambassadors. You might want to write them there in the margin of your Bible. They'll all start with a C. Number one, the ambassador's citizenship. The ambassador's citizenship. Obviously, we don't send people overseas who are not citizens of the country. At yet, at least not yet. Maybe we're on the way. I'm not sure. We'll be sending illegal immigrants to represent us if we keep on the way we're going, but Excuse me for doing a little preaching here on the side. But uh, in reality, uh, an ambassador needs to be a citizen to represent his people. And back in the book of Philippians chapter 3, I won't turn you there tonight, verse 20, you know what Paul says about us as Christians? Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Aren't you glad for that tonight, church? Amen? Aren't you glad you're a citizen of heaven? I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a citizen of the state of South Carolina. I'm a citizen of the city of Florence. But that means absolutely nothing to me in comparison with my eternal heavenly citizenship. I'm a citizen of that country whose king is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, I represent him. You know, it's not so much where we are. It's whose we are. Not where we are, but whose we are. Jesus said to his disciples, you are what? In the world, but you are not what? Of the world. You're a citizen of heaven. I'm going to put you down there on the earth to live there for a while. And you're going to be down there as my ambassador. You're going to be there as my representative. You're going to live among the natives down there. But you really are an alien, if you will, because your truest citizenship is in heaven. All ambassadors are citizens, first of all, to qualify, and we are saved people, citizens of heaven. Number two, I want you to notice the ambassador's character. An ambassador's character. He must be above reproach. We can't send someone to another country who would represent us in a way that would be offensive to that country, who would, in essence, uh, be socially obnoxious to them. And so every part of the ambassador's life is under scrutiny, every single part of it. Their moral character, I'm sure that at least in times past, that the CIA probably did an investigation on the background of every ambassador before they were ever even asked to serve. Their moral character could be an embarrassment to the whole country if they failed. Their financial dealings, their honesty, their integrity, 
their family life, their work record, all of that would go into the appointment of the ambassador because this is such a vitally important post to represent one's president or one's king. And any defect will reflect upon the one who sent them. So if one of our ambassadors goes over there and they commit a crime, even a a petty crime of some type, or if they're arrested for drunk driving or something like that, usually they're recalled because that hurts the country. It hurts our influence in that region of the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, same chapter that we're in, just scoot up to verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for us. So the ambassador is not there to live for himself or herself. The ambassador is there to represent the Lord Jesus Christ, the ambassador's conduct. Then, fourthly, I would have you notice the ambassador's constituency. The ambassador's constituency. An ambassador lives in a foreign country, but there's no no question about where their loyalties lie. Some of them have been over there and served under two or three different presidents, and they're so effective representing our country that they, the next president comes along, and he just leaves them there on their post. And they've been living in a foreign country for maybe 20 or 30 years. And yet, what is always, is never at question, is that though they live in a foreign country, they, there's no question where their loyalties are. Boy, what a powerful point to me. Because we live in this country. And the old song says, this world is not my home. I'm just traveling, passing through. My citizenship is in heaven, Paul said. And there's no question where my loyalties are. Do you know why Christianity is in such a weakened state in America today? I can tell you, it's not the fault of the world. It's not the fault of the very flawed governmental policy that we're seeing around us. It's not the fault of the immoral people. It's not Hollywood's fault that we're in the trouble we're in. We're in the trouble we're in today because you can't tell a Christian from a non-Christian in most cases in this country. It, it, it appalls me. Everybody's a church member. But how many true, born-again, saved people are there in this country? I have no idea anymore. It, it, it perplexes me. It breaks my heart. And we live in a foreign country. Our loyalty ought to be without question always to our king, the king eternal. And yet when we look at the lives of Christians so often, these Christians, there's a question about where their loyalty really lies. Are they loyal loyal to the king of kings or are they loyal to themselves? Is their first loyalty to the Lord or is it to their own pleasure or their own pursuits in life? It's tragic. An ambassador would be immediately recalled and reprimanded, and he would lose his post if for one second he wavered in his loyalty. He is there to represent his country, his king, his president. And yet, when we come over to the spiritual realm, so sadly and so tragically, it is though we don't know who our constituency is, who that we serve, the ambassador's constituency. And then there's the ambassador's communication. The ambassador's communication, number five. You know that most ambassadors are bilingual 
One of the reasons that the president often chooses an ambassador is because the person can speak the language of the country to which they go. So they'll look for somebody, if they're sending an ambassador to France, somebody who maybe took some French in college or something. And it, it, it accelerates the process of them because being an ambassador is all about communication. It's all about communication. And so there's got to be constant communication. Now, it used to be wire uh, communication that they used, the cables under the ocean, and they would telegraph back and forth across the oceans. And every day that ambassador would go to his telegraph key. And today he can go to the Internet or whatever way they use to communicate. There's many ways today. Get on a telephone with a secure line, as they say, that nobody can tap into it or listen. And he comes back and he talks to our State Department. And if it's a big problem, he would talk to the Secretary of State. And if it's a bigger problem, he might even talk to the President of the United States himself. And there's this constant flow of communication because he's there representing the President. And the ambassador has to know exactly the thinking of the President or the King if he's going to represent him well. And so an ambassador must be able to communicate. And so he gets his orders from his home country. And then what does he do? He goes to his host country, and he goes to the government there, his contacts there. And he has to communicate exactly the heart and the mind of the president that he represents. His opinion doesn't count. He's got to be very careful. He doesn't color it with his own opinion, that he is communicating precisely and exactly the communication that his president wants him wants him to communicate. And so the ambassador is there, and he gets his instructions every day from his home country. Every day they are in communication, I understand. The ambassador must communicate. Well, isn't that a simple analogy when you think about the spiritual world, that every day we get our communication from our, from our king, and we open up our Bible. We begin the day with the Bible in our lap. And we get on our knees and we talk back to the king. And we ask him to give us direction and to give us leadership. And we're in communication with our king. And if we're out of communication with him, how could we know his will? How could we know his heart? How could we know what he wants us to communicate if daily we're not in communication with the king of kings? We are his ambassador. And we must communicate effectively with him. Then we communicate with the world around us because he said, you're to be my witnesses. You're to go into all the world. You're to give the gospel to every preacher. You're to tell people about the wonderful Savior who came to this planet 2,000 years ago and died for the sins of the people. An ambassador communicates. Number six, notice the ambassador's consideration. His consideration. Personality plays a huge part in who they select for an ambassador. It may be true that this person is brilliant, that they can speak another language, that they have a great education, they have vast experience, they're very wise people. But the truth is you don't choose an ambassador who would be abrasive or who would be offensive, who would turn people off, who would agitate the people to the country from which he's going. He may be sitting with the president of that country or the prime minister or the king. 
And if he is an offensive person, if he angers people and agitates them, then, of course, he's not going to be very effective. They're not going to like him, so they're not going to respond to him. And he's got to be chosen partially on the basis of his personality. An ambassador has to be winsome, we would say, attractive in his or her personality. An ambassador has to cultivate a spirit of graciousness and kindness. They have to be the most courteous people that we can possibly find to go and represent us. They have to be likable. You don't choose somebody who is carrying a chip on their shoulder to be an ambassador. You get someone who is immediately, uh, who immediately has a high likability factor, we would say today, because they're there representing 300 million citizens and the president himself of the greatest power upon the earth. So we want a person who walks into the room and immediately people are attracted. They like that person. That is, as personality may not be important in some places. It is absolutely vital. It is essential when it comes to an ambassador. So six things about ambassadors tonight. One, they must be citizens of the country they represent. Two, they must have impeccable character. Three, they must be able to conduct themselves in a manner that is consistent with their office. Conduct themselves in a way that is not offensive to the country around them. Number four, they must know who their constituency is. They're not, their constituency is not the country to which they go. It's their home and their president. The ambassador communicates. They must be in communication. They must be able to speak the language of the people that they're seeking to influence. And the ambassador's consideration, they must be the most kind and considerate and gracious people because they have to be likable in order to be able to be effective in their, in their post. Then Paul says here, look at the last part of the verse now. He says to them, we are ambassadors for Christ, and I pray you in Christ's stead. In other words, he's begging them, he's pleading with them, be ye reconciled to God. You be reconciled to God. Reconciliation is one of the primary roles of, a, of an ambassador. He or she must be able to sit down in disagreeable circumstances and bring reconciliation. You know what? You and I have been sent into this world for that very purpose tonight, folks, to reconcile, to the message of the gospel of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Come to Christ. Come to the cross. The most glorious thing that can happen to a human being on this earth is to know the King of kings and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, that's what we mean. When we stand and say this verse, be uh, we are ambassadors of Christ. I want you to remember the seriousness of that verse and what it means and the depth of, uh, of knowledge that's required there on a person who is, is an ambassador. Everything that you do as a Christian is important. I, I know, you know, I preached, I preached pretty hard on the fathers this morning. I, 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 watched them, I watched people in church. Boy, it is so easy for them to space out, to have the burdens of tomorrow, the thoughts from yesterday, the problems. 
and just become passive on you. And I thought, I'm urgent about this. I've got to implore. I've got to beg. I've got to push. I've got to cajole. I've got to do everything I can to get the men of this church to see that if they are not going to step up as fathers, we're going to lose our children. And so I preached that passionately to them because I want you to live a, a life of righteousness. And I don't know how else to do it than to keep the pulpit hot about that kind of thing often. In the world we live today, there's so much downdraft. There's so much pulling the people away. You say, I don't have a problem with that. No, but we have a problem with something else. And we constantly have to remind ourselves of these basic things in the Christian life. As I said, our great problem in the country is not the evil of Hollywood, though it's a problem. It's destructive. It's not the booze and the drugs, those obvious sins, but it's the apathy and the coldness, the lack of commitment of God's people. Oh, how I would plead with you as Paul did, in Christ's stead, I pray you, remember that you're an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I must be different. We must reflect Him. We're representing Him and not ourselves. Boy, don't think the world isn't watching too. And you know what? I kind of think this is true. I can't prove it. But I think if you come to this church, a little more is expected out of you than it is if you go to some other places. Here I am, Ambassador Bill. So one day I'm in a hurry and I'm going down Second Loop Road. And, you know, in my younger days, I drove like Jehu. You know, Jehu in the Bible says he drove furiously. So I was driving furiously down Second Loop Road. And I look over in the bushes, and there's the guy in the black suit, the bubblegum thing on his car. And he turns it on, and I just went ahead and pulled over. I knew. He pulls, he comes up beside me, and he taps on the window. And I roll it down, and he says, well, hello, Pastor Monroe. I didn't think I'd see you driving like that this afternoon. And I thought, oh, my, my, I can't even be over the speed limit a few miles. But what some guys, the way he said it was like, you shouldn't be doing that, Pastor. You're an example. You're an ambassador. They watch everything you do. You know what? At work, they're watching you. You know, you walk down your front steps, and if they know you, the neighbor down the street, there's that Christian. That Christian. Now, I don't care what you do, what you say. Watch you. You're the ambassador. When you said, I'm a believer, I'm a serious Christian, in their mind, they said, okay, he's an ambassador. He represents the Lord. Let's see if he's real. Let's see if she. My challenge to you tonight is we are ambassadors. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Well, you can look around and see we don't have our normal attendance here tonight. I guess this is probably one of our lowest attended Sunday nights in the year. People go see Father and family gatherings and so on. And so we're sort of down to the fateful hub of our church here. 
I thank you for being here. But maybe tonight God has spoken to your heart in some way today in a very special way. I hope he has. I hope this has been a good day for you. For you fathers, it's been a wonderful Father's Day. For you mothers and other family members, I hope it's been a blessed day in the Lord's house. This morning, the resolution, Father's Day. Tonight, we're ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ to sum up the day. And perhaps you'd like to come and the Lord has spoken to you or you have a burden, a need, or you just want to pray and rededicate your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Could be that somebody tonight walked in here and though I haven't personally seen you or know about your state, you need to be saved. Well, I'd sure like to give you the opportunity to have someone go over the gospel with you and affirm your faith in Christ if you're here tonight and you want to do that, I want to give you that opportunity. might be that there's someone you want to move your membership. You're a believer, but God has led you to this church, and you'd like to place your membership at the Baptist Temple. I want to invite you to do so as well. So why don't you stand with us tonight, just a brief moment of invitation, because I can see that we don't have worlds of, of guests with us tonight, you perhaps. But I want to give you a chance if God spoke to you or if you'd like to come and pray for just a couple of minutes, we'll give you a chance to do that as we end the day, the Lord's Day here at the church. Jim, lead us in the song, if you will, please. <laughs>